I had three that did really, really well. Should have stopped at three, but then I watched four, and then I watched five, and then I watched... And it just got out of control. But then what happened was my team grew, my premises grew, my stress grew, the turnover grew, but the profit was getting eaten away, and I was pissing everybody off. Welcome to Beyond the Fail, the podcast where we talk to leaders and entrepreneurs about their biggest business failures. We'll deep dive into how they overcame these setbacks, the lessons they learned from them, all to help you gain valuable insights. Failure is an essential part of the business journey, as well as being a key to success. So we're here to show you how to thrive from it. Today, we have a dynamic duo joining us. We have Josie May and Charlotte Balbier, the proud and ambitious entrepreneurs behind The Money Mavens. Josie, originally a social worker specializing in child abuse, moved into becoming an entrepreneur when the stress of her job took its toll. This led to a successful creation of a six-figure coaching business. Charlotte is from a dynasty of famous wedding dress designers, and she created her own fashion label, which was turning over millions of pounds every year before she sold it for seven figures. Today, Charlotte and Josie work together under the Money Mavens brand, a mentoring and coaching business to help others scale and achieve their goals. Their clients include impressive six and seven figure businesses, including a sustainable fashion brand, which has Nike and Adidas as its clients. And if that's not enough, they also host the excellent Money Mavens podcast, where they share their wealth of knowledge and bring you insightful conversations with industry leaders and help manage your mindset on money and investment. Today, they discuss numerous business failures and setbacks, including working on a new Money Mavens product for six months, only to scrap it before launch as their heart wasn't in it. And Charlotte also shares losing a significant amount of money on a new business venture, which she now realizes was only fueled by her ego. Josie and Charlotte are such a pleasure to speak with and their energy and passion are truly infectious and this is such a, an engaging and enjoyable conversation that I had so I hope you enjoy it as much as I did. This is Beyond the Fail with the Money Mavens. Okay, Money Mavens, Josie and Charlotte, amazing to have you here. How are you doing? Very well, thank you. Thank you for having us. Yeah, really good. No, I'm really excited about this conversation. We were just talking um, before this how my girlfriend has introduced me to you guys. So um, she's going to be as excited for me for this conversation. So where did it all start in business for you both? Okay, so I started in 2003. Uh, so I was in my early 20s and I spotted a gap in the UK market for something in the bridal industry, wedding dress industry and decided that I would fill that gap and created my own brand. And um, I was so like, I wish I had some of that energy that I had back then. Cause I could just, I just didn't see any fear. I just went for it. I, you know, I, I just loved it. And from there I went on to build that brand and do lots of other things in my career until I sold it uh, nearly six years ago. Yeah. And I pre previously was a social worker, so I worked in child protection social work for a long time. I was in a leadership role, and um, I just wanted to do my own business, and I kind of didn't know what I wanted to do, but still wanted to work with people. And I went, I went and did my coaching qualification about eight years ago now, and then started off coaching. Um, started off coaching about seven years ago after I'd done my qualification. Um, I started off originally love coaching, so I was working with single women. 
and uh, who were struggling basically to hold down relationships. Um, and then over time, I found I was like um, attracting a lot of entrepreneurs and I took on a project for a big coaching company and was doing some business coaching for them and sort of like it's evolved over the years where we, now we do business strategy and marketing and sales strategy. Yeah, but we actually only met a couple of years ago. So Josie and I were on an online, it was just as we were coming out of COVID, and we met in a mastermind online and you had to introduce yourself. So everybody in the group was like, you know, typing where they were from. And Josie was like, Manchester. I was like, Manchester. But then we were like, which part of Manchester? We actually live in like the posh part in Cheshire. Yeah, you, you say in Manchester, but we actually from Cheshire. And she was, she said, where she was from? And I said, I literally live like five minutes from you. We can walk yeah. to each other's houses, and you could go, you could like meet up by that point in COVID. Yeah, we'd out, we'd out, we were out, I was still going on, but we were like, you could meet. Yeah. People. So I was like, well, let's go for a coffee in the morning, like you know, in their like swimwear. I was like, okay, I'm gonna go, I'm gonna meet this girl. She seems cool. Went in, and I had this really weird kind of feeling when I met Josie that I knew, knew in, in a previous life. It was like a really strong connection. I just felt really warm towards her. Um, really, I was like loving our conversation. And it's it kind of put it in perspective. It would be a bit like going on a first date and the person you're on the date with saying, I really like you. Do you want to get married? Because <laughs> I think <laughs> Josie, this is going to sound really weird, but I'm feeling a real connection here. And I feel like we're going to start a business together and make money. And she was like, no, this is what she said. Oh, right. We're going to start a business together and we're going to make loads of money. <laughs> so my ears were like, she's a bit weird, but my ears pricked up <laughs> at the low. That money. sounds like some first date. <laughs> yeah, it was literally like, you know, like it was crazy. And I remember thinking. The sparks were flying. Yeah. She probably was thinking, I want to run, but she's mentioned the word money. I paid not my attention. <laughs> yeah. Looking back. I clearly like wasn't thinking what I was saying because it does sound really crazy when you say yeah, it out loud. You feel it, I suppose. It's really really nice. Yeah. Fun, weren't we? we just got on really well, <laughs> and so at first we just collaborated because at the time I was working with online online businesses, working with them around um, online marketing basically, and Charlotte was doing mentoring as well for people in the fashion and bridal industry, and so we were both working with women, and we both had this real passion for women being successful and powerful and actually unapologetic about making more money. And I think something in the power, like, you know, and having a voice. And we just, everything that was our about each other's values, we were saying, and we were like, yeah, I think yeah. that, I think that. And it was just really nice to meet somebody else that had the same values and felt like we were both as passionate yeah. as, as we are. We are really passionate about what we believe in. And I think it's, it's quite unusual, less so now over time, but it was quite unusual to meet some someone and we was each other who was, wasn't was like um, feeling icky about talking about money or about making money. And but we were both really passionate about that because, you know, making money is a great thing and there's so much, such ickiness around it and so much fear around it or about talking about it. We all want to make loads of money. We just don't want to talk about it often. Yeah. And you think women. Women. Why do you think that is? What is it about the the female aversion, I suppose, to, to wanting to admit you, to, you want to make money? I think there's a couple of things. And I think one society, like men on the whole, have been the breadwinners. And things are changing, times are changing. But there's been that history of that. Yeah. And and I, I like, when we started the Money Mavens, I remember my mum sent me a message and she said, um, could you just use a different word instead of money because it's so vulgar? <laughs> Wow, and I was wow. like, so clearly my upbringing was talking about money is vulgar. Mm. And so um, 
And Charlotte comes from a family of entrepreneurs, don't you? So. Yeah, but we still didn't talk about money. Like, no one would ever say how much they earn. Like, I am from a really entrepreneurial family where everybody's kind of had their own business and that's been my background. But I think as well with... There's kind of like a can you have it all kind of thing. Like, you know, almost don't want to say, well, I do want to make my own money and be independent and want nice things. And it doesn't make you a bad person. You can actually be a really, really great, amazing human being. And when you earn good money, you can do a lot of good with it. You know, we love being able to support people in lots of different ways with the money we've made, whether it's been our family, our friends, gifting to charities, you know, giving your time because if you're making good money then you've got more time and you can do stuff like it can if more people this is another thing that we bonded over we were like if more people like part the centered women in the world or just humans in the world held the money of the world wouldn't it be a better place because what everyone really? argues yeah. and fights and all these things that go on is about religion money and all those things so i think we really connected on that as well that we just wanted to do yeah. something good and be heard yeah, definitely. And and take the shame out of it. Take the shame out of talking about money, about desiring it, about wanting to make it. Like, because, you know, it's particularly working with business owners. They all want to make it, but no one wants to admit that they want to make it. And we find some of those people don't want to work with us because we're called the money mavens. Because <laughs> um, it's like, oh, I'm admitting then that I want money. Yeah. It's, and it really triggers people. We thought about changing the name. We might even change, you know, we've talked about it at length because we're like, some people are like, I don't want to say even talk about money even though that's what they desire and it's a bit of a limiting belief in some ways isn't yeah it? definitely a limiting belief i yeah. worked over the years not so much recently but a lot over the years with a lot of creative and they had this like thing of like i'm creative so therefore i should almost give it away because it's like a gift and there's a struggling artist isn't it like that's an yeah. artist and i there's an identity around yeah. that thing isn't there and and mm. it's almost like this is my art and it's not about the money or this is my, and it's like healers, like this is my gift and it's not about the money. But at the end of the day, we all need money to live and it's an exchange of energy. And I think like, there's no shame in wanting it. And I suppose it's just keep saying that and mm. we trigger people all the time, all the time. People yeah. tell us we trigger them, don't we? And that's okay. Cause what we always say is something triggers you. Like one of us will say, so, say for example, one of us comes into the office and says, Oh, I've just seen so-and-so on Instagram and they're really, I'm going to say, what have they got that you want? Because when something triggers us, it's because it's something that we want on the whole. They're either doing something that we wish we were doing yeah. and then think, God, I'm really annoyed with myself because I know I should be doing it, but I'm just going to be really cross with them for doing it. Or they've got something and it's something you desire, but you're not being brave enough to go and get it or you can't quite got there. Yeah. And actually, if you can turn that around and say, they're showing me the way. They're showing me what's possible. But when you're in it, I mean, I sound like I'm really like big and mature about it. Sometimes I'm in the moment, I'm just like, <laughs> God, I really want that. Yeah. <laughs> like, I'm really triggered right now. Yeah. But I think trigger being triggered is good. So we don't mind triggering people. We don't mind getting people's backs up because it means that they're kind of feeling that, that desire yeah. that they want. And that's okay. You're having an impact. Yeah. So just, I suppose, just going back a little bit, it's interesting that it sounds like you've, You've come from different kind of career backgrounds as well as sort of family backgrounds. So I wanted to sort of maybe dive into that a little bit. And it's interesting that, you know, you, Charlotte, you know, you came from a family of entrepreneurs. What was your sort of upbringing like, Rosie? I came from a family of employees. So my mum was a lecturer, a teacher. She was a nurse. Then she was a lecturer, uh, a teacher at a college. Then she was a lecturer at a university. 
very much you get a job for life kind of thing. My dad also worked in IT for as long as I knew until he eventually did start his own business, but that was a lot later on. And your mum's got her own business now. My mum's got her own business now, funnily enough. Yeah, growing up. So it's just like you. Yeah, just like me. She's doing really, really well. Yeah. She's doing really well. She's, she's doing really well. And um, it's it's funny, actually, because my husband now has his own business as well. And when I met him, he was a pharmacist and he was very much like me. You get a job for life. So when I chose my university course, I chose social work because it meant that I would be a qualified social worker and I would never go without a job. And, you know, that was what was ingrained into me. You get a career and then you get in that career. And, you know, I've always been ambitious. and I come from an ambitious family. My mum was always super ambitious. Like she worked her way up the, the ladder of her career. And so when I got into social work, I was like, okay, I need to get into leadership now. And I did my master's in leadership. And, you know, I worked my way up to a very high position there. But then realized that I was miserable and also every promotion that I got, I was working an extra 10 hours a week probably and getting probably an extra four grand a year, which was the equivalent of about 50 quid in my pay packet. So my hourly rate was going down every time I got promoted. And it was, I just felt like there was another way. I've always been in self-development. My mum's always been in self-development. And so like, you know, I learned about the law of attraction when I was about 18 and I loved like, I loved the idea of anything's possible. And I think I really had this desire to have a business because it opens up the possibilities. As a social worker, even if I went into the highest position I could ever get as a social worker, it's still capped financially, hours-wise. Whereas an entrepreneur, there's no cap. And that, to Where me, did that start? Yeah. What, what was that sort of moment when you were like, no, I need to become, you know, my own thing. I want to yeah. take my it own journey. It built up over years. And so I would be doing self-development. I used to write these lists of businesses and I used to like cafe, sell clothes. Like I, I'd write these lists, like what can I do? What can I do? What can I do? Um, and then basically I had a coach myself, a life coach, and she suggested that I could be a coach. And I was like, oh no, they don't make any money. Because I was paying her 40 quid an hour. And I thought, <laughs> you know what? They're just not going to make, I'm not going to make any money. Lo and behold, then I found, may I mention that she now charges about 15 grand for, Thanks good. So she's yeah. from one of our programs. <laughs> 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 she's in a whole different position now, but you know, she just started out then. Um, um, and so then I was like, yeah, I'd love to coach. And so I did my qualifications. So it was, to be honest, it was a process and it took, um, it took a while for me to actually take the leap because I actually, I had a good wage, you know, like a 55 grand a year wage that was seven years ago. It was a pretty good wage. I was part, you know, I was paying towards the mortgage. My husband had a good job as well, but we both are, incomes were important and it wasn't until I had recurring miscarriages basically we were trying for a baby and I kept miscarrying and um it was we went to to get some tests done and um they said there's no reason why you can't have a child and my husband said could it be stress related and they said never underestimate the impact of stress and that was it for me but it took that long it took four miscarriages in a row for me to eventually leave my job I needed it was almost like I needed whacking around the head in order to do it. And I think that's often the way, isn't it? You were getting the nudges, weren't you? But you were ignoring them. And then eventually the nudge was so loud. Yeah. That you just couldn't. And we always say that in life. Like we'll get these intuitive nudges to for our next step. And if we don't take action on them, they'll get louder and more uncomfortable. And it might be in the end that somebody like, sometimes it's like with ideas, somebody takes that idea in the end because you've done nothing with it. And I think, as I've grown, and I know that Charlotte's the same, is that we've really listened to our intuition a lot more and tried to take action on that. And I think for me, 
it took a long time because the longer you're an entrepreneur, the longer you're a business owner, you've got to be braver. You have to be brave because mm. it is scary. And in order to be successful, you've got to take big, scary steps. But it's a muscle you can build, isn't it, being brave? And I found that now I'm so much more brave. I'm like, I'm like, why did I wait four years to leave my job? <laughs> but I think you're conditioned, yeah. aren't you? I've never had a job. So it, it, obviously I've had a job because I've worked for myself, but I've never worked for someone. But I imagine that you, you're almost conditioned, aren't you? That's that's what you've trained to do. You put all those hours in at uni. You know, you've got a master's. You've done. It's, it's that that is actually really brave to do to to leave that. You know, because you kind of that that's what all you know, and it's earning you're earning good money, and you don't know what's possible because you've not done it before, yeah. so you wouldn't know what it was like. And it is a risk, isn't it? You're yeah. risking that every fifteenth of the month. I got yeah. paid. All my bills went out on the sixteenth. You know, I was very organized. I got paid on the 15th. It ran out every month, like it does, because, like, society does. Most people get paid and you live to your means, don't you? Um, but it took that long, and I think um, that's because there was no one showing me the way. It's very funny, like, two years later, my husband left his job and started his own business. My mum's now retired and started her own business. Like, the hell, my sister started her own business. I think, so have they all followed you? Yeah, kind of I think once you see someone... It's even brave. And once you see someone do it that. and be successful and actually see them do it, I think it's... It, it shines the way. I hadn't really seen that. I suppose that's why we've got a job, though, because we are showing the way to so many people. We're saying, you know, we've done it in different ways, and now we've done it. You know, it was, we had to start this from nothing. We literally started it from the ground and have worked this up, mm. and we're sh shining the light, aren't we, for so yeah. many female entrepreneurs? Well, not just female entrepreneurs, but mostly we work with women, and saying anyone can do it. You know, a lot of people have said, oh, the, yeah, you two are just like everything you do. And we're like, behind the scenes, it's up, down. Yeah. It's not like that at all. And the coaching world's changed. Well, well success ever is. Yeah, is, never. never is, is it? And yeah. the coaching world's massively changed in the few years that I've been in it because I'm quite new to it. My background's the wedding industry. It's very different. And even then in the wedding industry, you had times where, oh, yeah, up and down. Up and down. Oh, yeah. I had like, oh, it was so up and down. The highs were the best highs I've ever had in my life. And I don't think, I feel like I'll never have them again. But the lows were also really, really hard because that is that is life, that is entrepreneurship. And you've got to learn to weather the storm and come out. Because most people just give up. They think, oh, I can't do this. It's too hard. Or I'm, they tell themselves they're not very good at it. But it will pass. Just like the good times will pass. The, the, the good times pass, the the and the um, bad times pass. So you've just got to learn to ride it out. Yeah, yeah, It's easier when there's two of you because yeah. you can kind of like, if one's having a bad day, the other one can kind of pick the other one up. But when it's just you on your own, I think that's really, really hard. Yeah. Hence why you need a coach or a mentor or somebody to support you through that. Or, yeah, as you say, a business partner. I think it's interesting what, you know, you're talking about essentially people showing you the way and you two are the the beacon of that right you've got to this uh, the contrast of one you know having an entrepreneurial family and obviously following that path one having a family of get a job for life mm. and that's what you followed yeah and obviously he's come he's come full circle now um and now you're, you're obviously showing other people the way and i think that is interesting what what do you think given you've got contrasting backgrounds and contrasting careers has that what sort of positives and benefits has that had within your partnership and within your business so we're very similar aren't we but we're also very different so charlotte is a creative through and through 
like you are visionary and she's really about the detail and you know making things pretty and all our aesthetics are down to charlotte because that is her thing isn't it and the vision she can think big and kind of set the vision i've got no fear either like oh yeah if we, want, if we want to do something i'm just like well let's just go all in yeah let's not we're gonna... where's that come from um, where is that lack of fear because mm-hmm. obviously josie you said you had fear since you leaving your job for four years but you've and then charlie you've got the, the opposite so where where has that come from i've always been quite brave because even before i started my business i was always pretty brave but when i started doing what i did um my mom threw me in at the deep end and it was the best thing she ever did um what I did was I sold trade. So I we I came up with this concept of this wedding dress brand, designed the dresses, got them made in production. And then it was my job to sell them into privately owned independent boutiques. So they would buy the collection and then the bride goes in and orders from the sample. So I was like, okay, how am I going to make this work? So my mum was like, right, I've got you this car. It was awful. It was a green Mondeo estate. It was so not sexy. <laughs> and back then there was no sat nav or anything. She gave me a map. Now I'm not the most like I'm a creative. I can't read maps. <laughs> and she was like, "There's a map of England. There's your dresses. There's your car. Go and sell them. Go and knock on doors and see if anyone wants them." And I was like, "Oh my god!" And I thought, "Well, you know what? I'm going to do it. Like I've got nothing to lose." So off I toddled. And like lots of people who knew me back then told me like stories like. I used to just rock up and my car had like loads of dents in it because I just like would just rock up anywhere. And I think when you've got to do something and like almost prove yourself, you don't have any fear because so many people said no to me that I kind of just got even stronger. Every time someone said no, I was like, well, when you come back and you say yes, it's going to be even sweeter next time kind of thing. And I just got in this like mindset. Don't get me wrong, some days I remember I just I was like, why am I doing this? All my friends are out having fun and I'm driving around in it. Green Monday I would say. Not that there's anything wrong with green bit Monday I would say. But you know, it's not very not you. It's not very sex three, <laughs> is it? You know, you not, if it was red, it might be <laughs> yeah, different. Yeah, like, all your friends have got like really nice little like Peugeot Peugeots and like with roof down and I'm rocking around in this. But I just didn't have any fear. I just thought, well the the worst thing that's gonna happen is people are gonna say no, I'll knock on another door. There's like in a you could go to like a village or a town or a city and there'd be like five bridal shops. I thought, well somebody's gonna say yeah. Somebody's going to feel sorry for me and be like, this poor girl knocking on doors. And that's how it started for me. And that I think when you do, when, you, when you're like ground level like that, nothing phases me. So now if somebody says, go on a stage or ring somebody up and ask them they want something, I'm like, oh, that's nothing. Like, I'm not bothered. Mm. I'm really not bothered. It's a classic apprenticeship, isn't it, it really? Do you know what? It was, it, it, I would be great on something like that because I think I've got that like, you know, I will just go and do it even though... They're all really bad at maths as well, so maybe I could go on it because I'm really bad at maths. That's my idea of hell. <laughs> Even thinking about it, I'm like, Ooh. well, yeah, and this is why we grew up together because all the things that Josie wouldn't want to do, I'd be like, yeah, I'll do that. I'm not bothered. Whereas the things that you like doing, I'm like, oh, I don't want to do that. That sounds boring. I don't want to do it. I'm a very logical thinker, and so I'm very good at tech, and I'm very good at plans. So creatives love me because their heads are full of stuff, and I'm like, okay, let's make it step by step. You're the structure. Yeah, very calm as well. Nothing really phases her. Yeah, so like, Charlotte's yeah. up and down and I'm like calm. And so we, whilst we've got the same values and we've, we've got the same vision, we're very different. And I think that's what really works, isn't it? If, if there was two people like me, then we would struggle with any vision and, you know, um, and if there was two people like Charlotte, then they'd struggle to 
have any systems in place and you know so i think we what we found is we complement each other really well and i think that really helps yeah i mean i, I think that's obviously is such a key thing uh, of business partnerships and as you sort of said earlier uh, and you you guys had the analogy of it being a first date uh, like <laughs> any relationship right you need to kind of complement each yeah. other don't you and i think i just you know while we're talking about partnerships I've had a lot of conversations on this podcast with people whose business partnerships haven't worked. And you've talked a little bit about um, your complementing skills. And obviously that's why it, it does work. And I can see you, you know, you generally, you know, get on and enjoy each other's company from the, you know, the short time we, we spent together on here. But I suppose just taking us back to that initial kind of meeting and, you know, building that partnership at the beginning did you do any kind of like due diligence on each other and that kind of thing? Because that is a lot of what's come up in previous conversations mm. with people just, I suppose, probably trusting their instinct and their gut and going into something and this then eventually burnt them. Yeah. So it's interesting to then talk to you guys who possibly have done that, but I don't know if you did anything sort of deeper so yeah did you my kind of background's very public because i had a very public and high quite high profile in that industry not if you don't were in the wedding industry you wouldn't have a clue who i was but in that industry so we're kind of a big deal in the wedding kind of a big deal (laughs) (laughs) google her oh i was a foot it's quite the joy if you google but there's all sorts of things on that but um yeah like i think so, so, so i suppose mine was like I very much like what you see is what you get. I'm dead transparent. My career's been all over. And with Josie, I I'm I like to think I'm a very good judge of character. And I just felt that we had a connection. Plus, from the beginning, we were 50-50. We were like, anything we make, it doesn't matter who brings them in or we don't clock who's done what. It's just like, it comes in and it goes out 50-50. And that is just the way it's always been and always will be. And I think when you've got that, yeah, it's not messy. What we did do, yeah, we collaborated on a few courses first. So we did a sales course together and it was very successful. And from that, they wanted more. And so then we did a money mindset course. And again, that was very successful. And then we did a like branding course after that. And um, so we worked together, even though we had two separate businesses at that point. And so we got an idea of how it was to work together before we actually jumped in. Yeah. And I think that was probably our due diligence. We didn't dig deep too much. We've been very lucky, like, especially because it was successful as well. And we made, you know, really good money off all of them. We were like, well, we'd be daft not to carry this on. You know, it would be it would, it'd be crazy not to. And there's been ups and downs. You know, there's, and like all businesses, some of us you think it's like magic. And you're like, oh, this is like magic. It's so easy, like money is flowing in. And, and then another one's like, this is like treading treacle. And you look yeah. at each other like, <laughs> go for coffee? Yeah, okay, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and that is just the way it is. But what we do know is that we'll say it'll pass. Yeah. It'll pass. We'll get through it. And even when it's good, we'll look at each other and go, this'll pass. <laughs> you know, let's enjoy yeah. it. Let's spend some money, go out and have fun. But we've not had any big arguments or anything, have we? No. Like, this, we've sometimes disagreed. Yeah, we do. On what we want to do. And we're both quite vocal about that. So Charlotte will say she want to do something. I'll say, well, I don't want to do that. <laughs> She'll be like, okay, well, what do you want to do? I want to do this. Okay, well, I want to do that. And so, like, we can then talk it through. But we've never had a big argument or 
we might have had like and in those moments of of sort of disagreement how do you then come to a decision I think what do you go for a certain yeah, process we talk it out and say okay well how would it look for you like why you have i'll say, one of my favorite words is poem resistance this like i feel like i'm resist- saying that <laughs> yeah i say all the time like, I'm, I'm resist i'm feeling some resistance here i don't like it it's a classic coaching yeah, term, yeah. isn't it? Coaching, yeah. yeah, I'm so And she knows that I can't not listen when she says that. I'm like, oh, it's a bloody resistance. Um, <laughs> and it'd be like, well, why? You know, and if it's, you know, sometimes I can be a little bit um, kind of dramatic, shall we say, and Jason will call me out on that and she'll go, I think you're just being a bit dramatic. Like, that's not really what's happening. And then I'm like, yeah, okay, you're right, kind of thing. You know, so you are quite good that you'll call me out on it. Yeah, I think what we have learned is what we have, we both respect each other enough to not push something that the other really doesn't want to do. Because it won't work. It won't work. And so if we're not both fully in, if we're not both a hell yes, then we're not doing it. <clears throat> and, you know, that's like we were talking a bit before we went live um, about like we, lo- we, we had this big plan to launch this program and we put, and we had this big funnel set up and the funnel included training and ads and it was a lot of work. And we spent about... Can you say what the programme was? Yeah, so basically it was it, it was targeted at the wedding industry, wasn't it? So the pro- programme targeted at the wedding industry, targeted at bridal boutiques. We've done a lot of work with bridal boutiques because of Charlotte's background and people know her in the wedding industry, respect her. Um, and so basically we'd... we'd, we'd created like a sales course almost wasn't it for bridal boutiques and we created the big funnel for it and it took us about six months to be honest it shouldn't have taken us six months but we were clearly dragging our feet with it i think because we kind of knew on a subconscious level that something didn't feel right it made sense it made sense okay we know that we could sell this and that it's something that could be used but it wasn't actually feeling that good for either of us was it no i just We'd, we'd done, we've done a lot of work within that industry and I just felt like they'd, they'd had everything they needed at that point and I felt like I'd be overselling to them and that then doesn't feel sit right with me because I like people to buy something that they really, really want. I don't want ever feel like we're dragging anyone in. So I kind of said, let's put it on hold. It's all there. We could do it tomorrow if we wanted to. You know, I'd, I think we will go back to it. I was like, let's regroup. What? going on out there like what are people wanting what can we do and we came up with another concept which is the yes method which we've got now which we then sold and i just think if one of you's got resistance you can keep trying to drag that person through but really if their heart's not in it and it wasn't that i was saying no i never want to do it i just didn't feel right in that moment it was the right yeah so charlotte felt the resistance and i was like okay well if you don't want to do it like you know then i don't want to do it either kind of thing because i don't want to be pulling it along when particularly when charlotte's the expert in the wedding industry you know i know to be honest i am she's getting there i'm getting there i know the cathedral veil is now and <laughs> um, that's a whole podcast on another time exactly i know a lot about the wedding industry now because obviously i've worked with a lot of bridal boutiques and wedding brands and um but you, we also didn't want to be just known for that as well. And I think there was that. Yeah, I think I've got a little bit of a limiting belief that I don't want to feel like people pigeonholing to being, you know, I was, and this is not, I did not call myself this. This sounds like a real idiot sentence that I'm going to say right now. But in the wedding industry, they, I'm saying they, like the press basically, call me the goddess of bridal. 
That was my name. So it's a good title. I know, I know. It was a good <laughs> title. Sending you the like. I love it. Bloody love. Um, <laughs> And the print- Have you got a T-shirt? I know. I had, a, I had a blog. I had a blog. It was like the, and it, so. And everything was published. We always like Goddess of Bridal, Charlotte Valde, everyone. And I kind of like almost wanted to break away a bit and kind of prove me to myself more than anything. If I'm honest, like I can do something else, and I don't always have to be the Goddess of Bridal. I love being the Goddess of Bridal, but I'm also want to help lots of people, not just people in the wedding industry. Because also for me. Since the age of being, well, zero, because my grandparents owned bridal, that's what my whole family have done it. All I've ever right. talked about is wedding dresses. I've never talked about right. anything else. So when I came into this world with Josie, I was like, oh, hallelujah, I can talk about something else. It doesn't mean that I don't still love weddings. I just love fashion. I love health. I love business. I like marketing. I love so many things I love. Um, so I think for me, it was like a bit of a personal journey. However, if somebody starts hence calling, the resistance, yeah, then, really. If someone else starts calling themselves the goddess of bridal, I'll scratch their eyes out. <laughs> <laughs> I, I won't. I won't take up that title. So going back to that program, then. So obviously, it sounds like you put a, quite a lot of work and, and effort in. I'm winning. I'm just I'm you know winning. thinking because obviously six months is you know pretty long time really, and it's obviously it's particularly your time as well as I'm sure you put some investment into it. Yeah. Why did it take you, do you think, six months to then realise that it wasn't right and it wasn't feeling right? Looking back, we were dragging our feet. We were pissing about. Sorry, okay. They were messing around. Go for it. Yeah, they were messing around a little bit. Yeah. My mum actually said to my mum came in and had a meeting with us and she was like, girls, stop talking. She was like, you might have gathered by now, we'd love to talk. She was like, you're at work. And I was like, sorry. Yeah. Because like. I think we do that though when we're not sure about something. We like procrastinate, and then it's like you'll do anything but do what you're meant to be doing, don't you? Whereas when we're on it, yeah, we can't we can't stop working. Yeah, I think looking back, it was because it wasn't right, and so. But again, what had happened was we'd invested in things. We bought a particular, so we'd bought we'd paid into like a funnel. We'd we had bought different software. We'd had all these beautiful, amazing testimonials made because we'd had so many people from that industry through working with us that we had all these amazing testimonials. So we still got. So we got the videos done, and then we got somebody to ed- we got had somebody who edited them into these like really swanky yeah. videos. Like we did a lot, and I think it was almost like. Once you do something, you fall into like doing a bit more, and then you don't want to give up because like we've come so far, even if it's not right. And I think um, I probably would have carried going because you're better at letting things go than I am. At like, I always think if I put time and money into something, then I struggle to just stop, even when I know it's not right. Even when do you I think know. that's the job for life thing? Do you think that's your but yeah? That, that, I think that, that belief around money. That. I, do you know what? I had never put the two together but it probably does come from that whereas charlotte's a bit more this isn't working like let's just zip it off quit it and you'll cut your losses won't you i think that's a walk away but that's the entrepreneurial background yeah. I, i'm suggest i'm speculating yeah. that, that you know that this, makes sense. that's probably coming out yeah i've had a lot of in things way. in my life both business and personal that i've had to walk away from and and it hurts but then you just think and i've lost money and i've you know and i just thought well it is what it is you 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 play the game, you play the entrepreneurial game, you play the business game. Sometimes you win, sometimes you don't. And I'm okay with that. Yeah. I'm, I'm actually... Did that cause that... tension? 
no, between you two no, then? Because it was it's, it was easier for me to let go when Charlotte was so like it was fine. It's fine. I mean, listen, we can pick it back up. I actually think we probably will run the course next year. Mm. It just wasn't. I was. I felt like we were. We'd been a bit. We'd been a bit bridal heavy. Heavy. And I think it was like we'd done so much. We'd won another course that was really successful and really good. And then it was like we were doing another one. So it felt almost like that's that's all we were doing. And I think we definitely needed a break. And I panicked as well and just thought, oh, my goodness, I'm back to being the goddess of bridal. And then I wanted to be this, you know, I wanted the money maven to, to be this. So you ran away then? Yeah. In, and I in some ways, let, yeah. Let, let's let's not pigeonhole our, us. Let's mm. do other stuff because we're the money mavens, you know. And we we can do we can do so many things. And I would love the I still want bridal and weddings to be part of what we do. And I think it will it always, always will, will be. be. Yeah, I'll never be able to get away from it because I've lived my whole life doing this. But then we've got all these other incredible clients. Yeah, incredible yeah. clients that do so many wonderful things in the world, and and it makes it exciting when you kind of. When you've got an array of different clients, then it's exciting for us. It keeps it fresh. It keeps it new because, you know, if if everyone's got the same similar business, it's the same similar conversations. Whereas at the moment, we've got such an array of different clients that we're having different conversations. We're having different, we're creating different strategies, different marketing plans because they're different. Everyone has to do things differently and that we love that. Yeah, and it's more inspiring as well because if you're having the same conversations, you kind of get a bit like duck and you, you're giving the same advice. Whereas if it's different perspectives, different people that are on different parts of their journey and they're doing different things in the world, you as the mentor get a lot from that as well. You're like, God, that, that's like super interesting. I wouldn't have done it like that. Oh, that's, you know, let's try that. And so I think for us, it will keep us moving forward as well. I'm not getting stuck of like, oh, well, we could always get wedding clients. So... We'll just kind of sit back and just let it happen. We're not like that. We're like, we know we want to push forward all the time and be inspiring and inspirational. Yeah. And just going back to the uh, uh, kind of what we were talking about offline, really, and um, Josie, you mentioned it, and you had a reluctance to walk away because you had quite a lot of you know, cost and, yeah. and time invested in it. Just wanted to kind of de- uh, you know, sort of dive into that a little bit and you know, can you sort of elaborate on that a little bit more about what was what was that reluctance? So with this course, do you mean? Yeah. yeah. I think it was that I knew that we'd invested money and I suppose my fear was that we'd wasted money. And again, that comes, I think you're right. I think it's, you know, thanks for pointing that out because I think you're right. It does come from my background of, you know, you make money, you do your job and you make money. And whereas if you have that entrepreneurial background, you get used to, and don't get me wrong, it's happened so many times now where you invest in something, it doesn't work out. I've done Facebook ads, didn't work out. Launch courses, didn't work out. You know, thing, the thing with being a business owner is some things work and some things don't. There's very few businesses that just keep keep going great and great and great with you. Know, so you don't want it to be like that because then you don't learn the lesson. Yeah, you definitely don't learn the lessons. And so I think it's taken me a bit longer because Charlotte's obviously been in business 25 years. Whereas I've only been in business seven years. And so there's that difference. And I'm still, I'm still, it's still newer to me. And so I think it's taking me longer. Charlotte can be like, oh, sorry, well, draw a line under that. Yeah, we've lost eight grand, but whatever. You know, whereas I'm like, well, that eight grand, we could have used that. But, <laughs> you know, but you, it's, a, it's also like a bit of a lack mindset. It's a lack mindset. Of like, yeah. oh, that's, 
that's the only money we can make. So if we don't do that, we don't make that eight grand back, five grand back, ten, whatever it is, that's it, we're done. We're never going to have success again. What if you let that go, you do something that you're both really passionate about, or if someone listens to it, it's just that person, and you made a hundred grand. Mm. That's, I'd rather 100%. do that yeah. than make a thousand pounds profit on something that I was a bit half-arsed about. Yeah. And I think it, it, it's, it's, I was reluctant, but I, it, it was not enough to stop me doing it, you know, like, and I think that's the thing with fear, like feel the fear and do it anyway. I felt the fear. I felt the fear like, well, you know, we've wasted a lot of time and, and money on this, but you know what? It doesn't feel right. Let's just do it anyway. Let's chop it anyway. And I think that's the thing with business a lot that I've learned and I'm still, you've got it down, I think, haven't you? Yeah. Charlotte's got that down. Like, because she's been doing it that long and kind of all you've known really. Whereas I've, you know, it's still a, it's still a muscle that I'm building. And do you think that you would have that if you didn't have Charlotte there? Um, I think it would in be in terms hard of, do you think you would have given up yeah. on that? Do you think you would have given up on that course if if she wasn't the one that sort of wanted to? Ooh, walk that is away? a good question. Um, I probably wouldn't have. I think you would have seen it through. Yeah, I think I would have. <laughs> Despite and, it not seeing right. Yeah, despite it not fully sitting right. Because there's things before that I've launched that, you know, I was excited about at first and then I was like, do I really want to do this? And what I usually do is do it and then I'm like, okay, I'm not doing that again. It wasn't fun for me. Or it wasn't as fun as I want it to be. Or, you know, when we say it's not fun, it's not like going back to social work where it was absolutely awful. But what we do now is we try and find the, the the offers that we have in our business, we want them to light us up because when we're lit up, we show up so much better, don't we? Totally. Yeah, totally. Yeah. And so, yeah. I so is that one of your it. sort of tools of making decisions then in terms of what you're going to do and what you aren't going to do is how much it, how much you're passionate about it and how much it lights your your fire? Way. I One thing that I know about me and I lost, and I think I forgot this until recently, and it was like we have... It goes to these really cool meetings every month and you talk about your passion and your purpose and all that kind of thing. And I started talking about my passions and I realized that I'd almost forgotten them because I got so stuck in this like building the money mavens and the brand. I'd almost forgotten what lights me up. And I thought if I can get that back, everything will get easier and we'll be more successful because I've actually always done things from a place of passion. It was never really, a, when I first started, it was never about the money. And I remember my granddad, I was really close to my grandfather, and he used to say to me, if you're passionate about it, the money is inevitable, Charlotte. You're going to be really successful. Just do what you're passionate about. And that's what I did. And I think over the years, you know, you get, you can sometimes get lost in the, just the day to day of business and, mm-hmm. you know, going to the accountants and, doing this and doing that you know and then suddenly you're like when was the last time I did something that lit me up and I think that's good that you Josie and I will sit and look at each other and go well does it light you up and that's not us being all like yeah man we only do want to do things that light us up and like you know mm-hmm. it we have we know that we've got to do some days where it doesn't light you up as much but on the whole if you're passionate about it then that comes across to the person that whether you're selling a product or a service they that's infectious and they feel that and then they're inspired to want to to, to be better as well yeah definitely. so it's something that yeah, you have no, to be really aware sound of sound advice from your granddad yeah great very 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 wise he what else did you learn from oh him? gosh everything if i'm honest like he i work i was very blessed i worked with him all my life so he had a really successful business then he sold them 
And then... What was his business? Weddings. <laughs> Bridal. He was a wedding dress designer. My mum's a wedding dress designer, and I am. <laughs> and uh, he, when he sold his business, they made him sign a contract that for 10 years he couldn't work and get paid in the wedding industry. So he became like an unpaid, like, you know, board executive and stuff like that, just to keep him occupied because he's a really intelligent guy. But they didn't write that into my mum's contract because she worked for them as well. So she started her own business and he just came on board as a non-executive director. We didn't so pay I... him. Um, so I got the, I, I worked with him um, all my life and he just, I used to ring him up every single night because I didn't see him every day at work. Sometimes I, I'd be out on stuff when I first started. And he, my nana said he used to sit by the phone waiting for me to ring because he wanted to hear all about my day, how much I've made, how many I'd sold. Like, and he, he always had like little pearls of wisdom. He just was just really inspiring. But he always used to say to me things like, you know, like go the extra mile. It's never overcrowded. You know, always show up for your clients and think, you know, take something for them and listen to what they've got to say. He was just all the time giving me really, really things that I hear myself say now and I think oh, that's such an Alan Wyatt thing to say that was his name you know um but I think one of the things I mostly talk about was he used to say all the time do what you're passionate about be passionate show up and talk like you do and people will buy from you because he's like but people buy people they don't buy they, they need to like the dresses that were selling he said but that's not the be all and end all they'll buy you if they like you they'll buy from you so yeah lots of things so it sounds like it was quite an early mentor to you did you recognize that uh at, that him as a mentor or, I don't was he, think I did. or was he just saw him as your grandfather i think i just saw him as the man i, I absolutely idolized him so i think i just saw him as this like you know he was just amazing and everyone loved him and he was very influential in the industry like everybody knew him and um but i have a different name to my family so i'm balby they're white so when i was going to see people they didn't know who i was and i didn't want people to buy off the merit of that so I never told anyone, but if, if I really needed to, I was in my back pocket and I'd say, oh, um, I'm Alan Wyatt's granddaughter and Amanda Wyatt's my mum. And they'd go, oh. And suddenly they were completely different with me. The sale was done. Yeah, it was, <laughs> it was a done deal. But I tried not to do that because I was like, I want to prove that I can do this under my own name and under my own steam kind of thing. But I wanted, I suppose, validation as well because I used to bring up every night and tell him how I'd done. Just because I knew he loved it as well. He was like, he got really excited seeing, you know, because he did that when he was younger. Who's been the biggest um, influence on on you, Jesse? I would say, actually, it's probably my mum. And it's not that she was, um, it was not that she was like into business, but she was a single mum. And she was always just a go-getter. So she was a nurse when we were younger and she decided she wanted to be able to spend more time with me and my sister. So she went and did a teaching qualification so that she would get school holidays off. And then she went and did her master's and then she went and did her PhD. She always was working hard and always trying to better herself. And she was like, she what introduced me to personal development because she was so big into that about, you know, being the best we could be and like ha having a life that we loved. And she really influenced me in that way. And I think, I grew up believing that women, like I've, I've, I've got a real strong affinity to women, which is funny because I live in a house full of men, my husband and two boys. Sure, sure. But I have a real strong affinity to women because I grew up in a household of my mum, my sister and me and seeing my mum like achieving things. And I think, you know, that was a real inspiration for me. And maybe I didn't realize that at the time. I think I'd started to realize that in my early twenties. Like I believed that if I worked 
funny though, but I believed if I worked hard enough, I could make anything happen. What my mum did was work hard. And I think I've suppose she had to though, didn't she? Because she was on her own with you. Yeah, like, she had to do it. She had to work hard. And I think, you know, Charlotte's mum worked really hard as well. And I think we both have that. What the problem with that is, you, we also have the belief that you've got to work really hard to be successful. Hustle. 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 We're always so slim. We're always like burning out, you know, like. Yeah. So if you're not careful, you can burn out. And it's like, the truth is you don't need to, you, you need to work and you need to put time and effort in, but you don't need to burn yourself out to be successful. It's not required. But I grew up believing that. Charlotte grew up believing that. And to be honest, most of society grow up mm. believing that. We hold that, aren't we? Yeah. Like, it, like, well, we still see it from social media and people's, talking about how many hours they work and yeah. how much they're working at the weekends. It's like a things. badge of honour with yeah. your friends. Well, I mm, worked till well, definitely. I have worked all weekend. You know, yeah. like, yeah. it's like this badge of honour. Well, what, what's honourable in working super long hours and burning yourself out? There's nothing really, but it's like, it's appreciated that in society, isn't it? And I think, you know, that has been a lesson, had to be a lesson for me. Like when I first started my business, I just was working crazy hours and I had a little one and it was really hard work. And I just burnt out at one point and I was like, I can't do this anymore. Like, I cannot do this anymore. And what I've found is um, that actually you do have to put the work in, but put the work in during your working hours. I think, yeah, then that no. what something that you've probably, Josie's probably taught me is that Josie's much better at switching off. I'm awful at switching off. But that is really key. And it's actually really important to do that. If you're saying I'm having today off, you actually have the day off, mm. not have the day off and keep looking at your phone. Yeah. And when you close your laptop, it's done Yeah, day. Like, you know, you don't need to be working then. And that was something that took me a while to do. And I'm really good at it now. Charlotte's not brilliant at it, but she's better. I'm learning. You're learning, yeah. And the thing is, like, Charlotte's a single mum, so sometimes a little boy's with his dad. And at those times when you're on your own, you kind of don't mind as much. No, no, you. And I quite like doing social media in the evening. Like, it, I, I, I quite enjoy all of that. Like, it doesn't feel like work to me. Um, turning on my laptop watch because I don't really like the laptop. That's a bit of a joke between Josie and I because I hate the laptop. <laughs> but um, I turn my phone on, no problem. But you know, it's hard when it's your own business. It's really, really hard because you're on, you're on, you're on all the time. You're thinking, you're always thinking. You wake up thinking, what can I do? Like, how can we do something? What, what can we do? How can we evolve? And you never really switch off when you think about a client. I do that all the time in the middle of the night. I'm like. When did she try that? And I'm like, once well, <laughs> message, and then I'm like, it's three o'clock in the morning. Do not manage that. She will not appreciate do, it. You know. Do you like, think it's harder to switch off because of because obviously you're both passionate about what you do? That comes through quite loud and clear. Do you think it's harder to switch yeah. off then? Yeah, definitely. And I think I, I don't know anyone with a business that doesn't that does fully switch off. That's, yeah, fully switches mm. off. Not that. Not not that I've met anyone anyway. And maybe there is people who are not passionate about it and just you know doing it because. That's what they've always done or whatever. But I always find that everyone I know, all our clients also struggle to switch off. Like we all want to be the best we can be. We all want our businesses to do the best it can do. And I think sometimes that just pops into your head in the middle of the night or whatever. And that's just how it is, isn't it? But I think when you're following your passion though, you are passionate about it. So therefore, of course you're going to think about it because it's what, it's your why as well. It's what's making you get out of, out of bed because when you run, run your own business, you've got to be a great self-motivator and a self-starter every day. You know, you haven't really got to be your desk. Josie's not going to tell me off if I don't come to work every morning, but I do come to work every morning, you know, because I'm, I want to come. I'm passionate and the same with Josie, you know. So I think when, you, when it is your passion, it doesn't feel like work. Yeah. 
it just feels that, like that, you should be doing it. That burnout, Josie, what 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 did that look like? What impact did that have on you well, and your business? I I retreat when I um when so I'm not a, I'm a big talker, but I'm not very emotional because I don't I talk about my emotions. It so, goes very quiet. So I go in. I know. Yeah, and so like how it how it came about was I would I pulled away from my kids. I've got two kids. I pulled away from my husband. I would get. I, I was just feeling tired and exhausted and, and I suppose low, low mood really. And it was because I was just exhausted and I was just, and I was worried all the time. It was hilarious because I was doing so well at that point. But I was just worried all the time about making money, about making sure my clients were happy. And it was before I met Charlotte this. It was like about making money, making sure my clients were happy. And it 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 was like there was no line between work and home it was like it was all a blur so my kids would be in the room with me and I'd be trying to like send a message and then I'd be irritated with them that they were talking to me when I'm trying to send a message and then I would be irritated at myself for not prioritizing my kids it was like a battle and in a battle it's just circle then yeah and it basically got to the point where I was like I can't carry on like this you know it was impacting my relationship with my husband and so I had to really draw lines okay this is I'm not going to work weekends anymore and I'm going to work within these hours. And it took a while to really bed in, but I think I've basically got it down now. Uh, you are really, yeah. But it took a while to get to get into that. And I feel so much better now. Like you don't have to be sending work messages when your kids are around. You don't have yeah. to be working all the hours God sends. You don't have to be over giving to clients. Like I was over giving, but that's a fear. It was like a fear of not being good enough or fear of them not being happy. So like giving above and beyond what, you know, what they pay for basically. And they weren't asking for it. I was just giving it because I don't know. I suppose I felt like I needed to do that. And I so, suppose it's like the people pleasing, the wanting validation, wanting to be the best. So many things could come into play with that. And you don't, you know, it could be all of those things or it could be one of those things. Yeah. I think it's very common when you start a business so too over deliver because you've got nothing to compare it to either so you don't know what your clients want at that point you know we've got clients who you don't hear a thing from them for two weeks like we have two weeks between sessions you don't hear a thing and you think are they enjoying it are they okay and yeah I feel like we message them and they're like yeah fine like they come on the call and they're like they want to do everything in the session and when they come up and you've got other clients who could message you 10 times a day neither one's wrong or right with what they're doing so you but actually, as we've grown with what we do now, we're like, okay, there's somebody that doesn't need a lot of help between, and that's okay. They're okay with it. But the old me would have been literally like doing the heading, like, "Hi, you're okay," you know, like, <laughs> like. Uh, do you think? Yeah. The, do you think some of that is sort of fear of not succeeding? Yeah. In what you're doing, like that, you know, that what you said. You, I mean, you mentioned the word fear Josie yeah. and then over giving do you think it is uh definitely and you, you you don't want to not succeed and, and yeah and fear I suppose the fear of what they think that, that I think that because we've talked about this a lot because we've had our fingers burned doing programs and um masterminds and stuff like that and we were like we never want anyone to feel how we felt you know where you pay a lot of money and you feel like you're not heard and you haven't got space in the group or whatever so like we've just finished our mastermind that we have ended up having for 18 months because it was that popular. Um, because, and we were like, we never want, we want people to come out of it and say that Josie Jollock 
turned up and they were on it and they listened and they gave and you know we have and I think we're really proud of that aren't we yeah definitely but there is that fear definitely of like people and and there's always going to be when you've got a business there's always going to be at some point there's going to be people that are not happy that you can't get away from that you can't people all you can't However, we're trying to get away from that. <laughs> yeah, so far, we've dodged it. And we are, it hasn't happened. Yeah, we've not had anything so far, but there's a big fear about that as well. And probably will happen now. Yeah. Life. It is life. And it is, it's it's almost like, it's like dodging the inevitable almost. But we've got better now. Like we've put boundaries in place. But I think, and we see it with a lot of women, and I don't know about men as much, but we see it with a lot of women like overgiving in order to, make sure as much as you can that the that your customer's happy that your client's happy and um but at the detriment sometimes of yourself and oh your business they might not want that yeah and i've had to really yeah. check myself and think am i overstepping a boundary of theirs here because they don't really need me to be like these are grown women with successful businesses they don't need me every two minutes messaging them but that's something that i've definitely had to learn but we do it and everything. I think it's something that we, I don't think men would struggle with it as much. Yeah, maybe I'm, you know, generalizing. Generalizing. Maybe, but, I hate generalizing, yeah. but you know. Well, there is that fear. And I think always, and I see it, and we see it in a lot of clients, a fear of, it's not even not being successful. It's a fear of not being liked almost. Right. Yeah. And maybe that goes back to just grow, growing up and us caring about being liked. And I know, to be fair, my husband, he cares about being liked. And yeah. so I know that it does impact men as well. Well, you know what? There wouldn't be social media if people didn't care about being liked because that's what the whole of social media is built on, isn't it? Yeah. Likes, comments, news, and everything. So they know, the people that came up know that, that it, we just want, we spend our whole lives, maybe not so much now, but when it first came out, trying to impress strangers on the internet. When you say yeah. it like that, it's ridiculous. <laughs> I think about, I remember going on an Instagram course and they taught us how to make flat lays where you like lay everything down, you know, and then positioned it so it all looked really pretty. And I lost the hours of my life doing these stupid flat lays to impress strangers on the internet. <laughs> and I'm like, am I, in, I was clearly insane. Yeah. I spent a lot of money. I remember I went to this like, fabulous this stylist did it and it was in london and it was all really fabulous and everybody was gramming it and like you know yeah i don't want to say it out loud i just think what an idiot <laughs> well i think it's um you know there's a great book which i'm you know as coaches i'm sure you've read um reboot by jerry colonna oh um, you should check it out it. amazing we'll amazing book. Day, yeah. um, he's like the ceo whisperer they call him all right yeah. um anyway he says that everyone needs love safety or belonging or one of you know one of each yeah and i i i'm supposing that the the liking and getting people to like us is the belonging we yeah. all want to feel part of a, a group and a sort of that safety and so there's a little more of, of the security in that as well you talked about getting your fingers burned. What what happened there? What did you mean by that? With oh, with coaching. Yeah, I think anyone that's done a lot of self development and a lot of coaching has had their fingers burned. I don't think I've ever spoken to anyone who hasn't said, "Oh, I've had my fingers burned." Like we've invested quite substantial. But we met. Yeah, we yeah. met in a in a mastermind. We met in a mastermind that we both paid a lot of money for. Like I put ten grand down, and then I was paying every month. 
And basically the coach that ran the mastermind was behaving in an inappropriate way with some of the clients. The press got hold of it. It was a big fiery mess. Hoo-ha. Hoo-ha, basically. And, um, you know, we ended the coaching. Charlotte, like she does... Backdoored it. Her losses and backdoored, backdoored it. Backdoored it early doors. She, left, okay, she lost, definitely lost more money, lost less money than me because she backdoored it. I lost. There's a pattern here. Yeah, yeah. I, <laughs> I was six grand in. He tried to get me for another four. I went on your bike, and I was like, I'm out of here. He was out. However, I by this point already invested twelve grand, and I was like, I put twelve grand into this. Like, I've still got eight months left working with this person. I wanted to get the success that he was promising. And so I carried on for probably about another five weeks and probably put another grand down. So I was paying a grand a month on top of this, what I've already paid before I could really let go. And there's, um, there's some psychology to this that once somebody's invested in something, I can't remember the name of it, but once you're invested in something, it's so much harder to let go if you feel like you're going to lose that money. And I did, you know, I lost all that money, but instead of quitting my losses, I could have lost it at 11 grand instead of 13 or whatever. Um, so there was that basically, you know, there was... The, the coach wasn't giving what he was promising, basically. And to everybody, not just to well, to everybody. However, off the back of that, because Josie and I met, met, each other, met each other, went on to then do stuff, lots of people in that program knew us, liked us, and people by people and were like, we trust you. We want to be part of what you're doing. We actually made the money, but we've made more, a lot more than that back. But at the time when we were in it, and I remember being really upset because I kind of like felt like we... Um, like Josie stayed and I'd gone and I was like oh no I'm gonna lose my friend because I didn't really know her that well and I remember you rang me and was like can I let's go for a coffee and she came and she was like I'm gonna leave and I was like yes <laughs> and I was like right let's just do this like we don't need that let's go yeah. for it you know but it was like more and more stuff started coming out and I was like okay I can't stay now there was can I tell you that the people that were in the program there was some very big names in there like it was very very high profile. So we were like, well, if these people are doing it, we want to be part of this. It was like people that were on TV, big name coaches, like they were really going places. So it didn't have at first no red flags, but when you got in there, it was like red flag overload. (laughs) But when you went in, it was like, oh, this is lovely, like fabulous. And then, yeah. Yeah. And I think, you know, we're very aware being in the coaching industry. We don't call ourselves coaches anymore because we're in, in all honesty, although we're both qualified coaches, we don't really do coaching. We do strategy. We advise, we give plans, whereas coaching is all about reflecting back. So we don't actually do coaching, but we still call it the coaching industry because that's kind of how people see it. Um, but there's quite a lot of charlatans out there, unfortunately. A lot of smoke and mirrors. There's a lot of smoke and mirrors and there's a lot of people that are just grabbing money and then not delivering and it's hard to be in that industry seeing that but also we really believe in it because when it's good it's really good i think that's when you what impacts did that have on you did it uh, on both of you apart from the sort of the financial side and did it have any other impacts yeah i had a lot of shame to be honest i had a lot of shame for a long time i had shame with my family who didn't understand why i was investing so much in the first place and then obviously it all went, you know, it didn't work out and I'd spent this money and I'd, I'd probably only dropped the shame recently. Yeah, I think you did carry it around. Yeah, I and, and I think because Charlotte had left first and, you know, I held on for a bit 
I think there was shame around that as well. That like, I didn't, I didn't see it earlier. That it was wasn't right, and I think there was there was that, and so. And to be honest, we both then joined another mastermind, so it didn't stop us trusting. No, so we invested more money. You know, some might say we're a bit daft. <laughs> we were like, oh, we'll go to another mastermind. And you know what? That wasn't that wasn't great either in a completely different way. Um, but what it made us do was we were like, when we do our mastermind, it's going to be the best mastermind there is out there. When we do our courses, they're going to be fantastic. When we do our one-to-one, whatever we do, we want people to think, gosh, that was brilliant. Yeah, and I think those experiences of not working out ha- actually made us better at what we do. They made our programs better. They made our offers better. And so we needed them. There were lessons. It's like, you know, you could have been seen as failures, but we never really see failures in that way. It's always a lesson, isn't it? You always get something out of it. You are, you know, you, you always come away with some nugget and that's, that changes everything. And I think without those, maybe our programs wouldn't be so good. Maybe we wouldn't be so focused on delivering and ensuring that what we promise we deliver. Um and it's quite nice actually to talk about it now because I don't feel the shame around it anymore. And maybe I didn't, ex- I'd, I'd, I wasn't even aware that that had gone because I haven't thought about it for so long. But for quite a long time, I would think about, I think, why have I done that? Or, you know, I'd take it alone out to pay like the 10 grand down. And every time the payment went out, I'd be like, <laughs> like resenting the payment. Whereas I've. Do you think that's back to, do you think that, is, that shame is around? Potentially you doing something like entrepreneurial that hasn't worked out, that which is not linked to your, I suppose, your beliefs around money from a young age. Yeah, maybe. I think like, you know, I was taught to be sensible with money, to be like, you'd be sensible with it. And that could be classed as not sensible. But in business, you can't be, you can't. in inverted commas, sensible about money. You have to take risks. You have to... You know, like I did some Facebook ads a few years ago. I spent thousands and thousands and thousands, but it didn't work out. But that's okay because I learned a lesson. Well, what you learned was this time around, because we've thought about doing them, you were like, well, we, these are all the things we won't do. We're yeah. going to do them. And you'd learned so much. I'm, and I'm, 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 we'd approach them in a completely yeah. different way. And we're going to do ads again, but we're going to do them completely different because I learned that lesson. But that's how it is in business. You have to take risks and you have to. And so if you don't lose money in business and take the risk, you you, de- you never really have tr- like big success. You might have a little bit, but you'll never have the big life-changing success. What you've got to be really good at, and I think it's what I've kind of perfected, is know when to call it a day, when to pull back. And also when, when, when you start to see that things are not going great, like, Cut down on what you're spending. You know, don't stop completely, but just like look at every single thing. Like I used to every 12 weeks in my old business, literally look to like how many toilet rolls we would like, you know, like crazy, silly things. Told the staff so these two she suits. <laughs> no, like I'm a big team. Like people were responsible for ordering stationery and then I go in the stationery cupboard and they'd be like 40 boxes of pink paper and I'd be like, we only need one. Like, you know, but it all adds up, doesn't it? You know, if it was... It was everything. So we were turning over a lot of money and it was really profitable, but I had to keep an eye on everything. And I was not, um, I'm overly generous. But then when it was good, I'd like reward everyone and we do lots of things. But when it was a bit quieter, I'd be like, well, let's just look up. We don't want to waste stuff. Um, but you've also got to take a chance. Mm. 
and that um knowing when to call it a day so as you put it charlotte obviously that's a quite a skill you've got yeah but i didn't see it until what 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 is it that what what you know how do you make that decision is it intuition do you have a set set process that you go through when things aren't working out how do you know to cut it off i always think if i'm feeling a lot of resistance it's because there's something that's better um i always think like i'm feeling that and the universe and i'm very much into like universe and like there's something working with me and i think i'm resisting that so then it's not the right path but if i do think that's right i'll have it'll be more successful it'll be more enjoyable it'll get better results that kind of thing i think it's easier with business than it is personally like i'd say that i've found it easy i have had to walk away from hard things in my personal life as well but i think in business i find it a lot easier because it's less emotional and i can be not as emotional about business um and i think because over years i've 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 been dead brave and i've done lots of things and i've done things that i've made loads of money things that are not made as much money and i've always been okay i've always got through it i've always kind of made it work and i always know that because I really, really, truly believe this sentence that people buy people and know that whatever we do, whether we do the money mavens or we were started selling bottles of water or whatever, Josie and I would be okay because people like us and they believe in us and they know that when they work with us, we've got their back. So I think I'm, I'm okay with it because I think well, we can walk away from that. We'll do something else. Like we've always wanted to do product, always wanted to do product. I'd love for us to have a product range. I don't have any fear about us selling it i have more fear of like the logistics like where would we source it how would we house it how would we package it like my brain goes into that i don't think how would we sell it so i'm like well we'd go and trade show and people will be like oh you two are great let's buy it you know so yeah i think i'm just it sounds like some of it's uh you know you mentioned about having kind of confidence to kind of do anything and knowing that it's all it's yeah, all gonna be well, okay it's, that's self-belief really isn't it yeah yeah, it's funny because in some ways I've got no, like when it comes to other parts of my life, I really question myself. But when it comes to business, I'm so set in my vision with things. Yeah. No, that's Have you both got any other sort of, I suppose, big, you know, challenges or business failures or setbacks that you've had a real sort of hard lesson from? Um, I know that when I had my other business i had i i formed this brand and it was really good then i rebranded all our other ones and they were doing really well and i was like god i'm onto something here it was like i was like almost franchising my own concept you know making everything kind of turnkey and i was like this is really really good don't know if i got a little bit greedy if I got a little bit too excited I don't know what happened I was like let's see how many of these we can almost do but what I started what was it you so when you say brands what specifically was it in the wedding industry if you supply boutique you can only have so many stockists in an area so say you've got Bolton there's 10 shops you can only have one shop that has your brand legally that's actually not the law that's not but it's like a made-up rule in the bridal industry that you do so I was like, okay, so if we had shoot up brand. five brands, with it being five shops, we've got five got slices of the pie here. That sounds pretty clever yeah. idea to me. Yeah. <laughs> it was. So I, was, I had three that did really, really well. 
should have stopped at three, but then I watched four, and then I watched five, and then I watched... And it just got out of control. But then what happened was my team grew, my premises grew, my stress grew, the turnover grew, but the profit was getting eaten away. And I was pissing everybody off because they were like, well, you're in that shop, you're in that shop. And I was like, yeah, but that's Charlotte Balbier, that's Amanda White, that's Heritage, that's this, this queen. They all have these names. And they're like, yeah, but you're manufacturing them all and they want you. So they're telling people that they've got part of the Balbier Wyatt empire, so to speak. And I just thought, I'm diluting my brand here and I'm also upsetting people. And actually, my values don't align to this. And I just thought, who do you think you are? Like, get a grip of yourself. Scaled it all back, went back into making loads of profit, stopped annoying people, and it just worked again. And I just thought, okay, you don't need to go that big. Like, and I think you've been a little bit blasé about scaling it back because you lost a lot of money. Yeah. And lost a lot of, you know, like a lot of time and energy. You and know, what, how did you lose that money? Yeah. What was the, was that the cost of the stock that you'd already? Yeah. Well, we, we sold a lot, but then we had to spend a lot because then suddenly your advertising goes up, your production goes up. You know, it was, we invested a lot of money. Um, you lose a lot of stocker. The fact that I'd, lost a little bit of my maybe what people thought of me. I, I felt like people were a bit like, you're getting a bit ahead of yourself here. And that, that's, that upset me a little bit because I've always been somebody that wanted to support my retailers, not take away from them. So that was a really big lesson. And now when I've worked with a lot of manufacturers, whether it's in fashion or bridal, whatever, I say to them, Really look after the customers you've got because that's your bread and butter. They keep coming back to you year on year. That's what's going to pay your mortgage, give you your pension, all the good stuff. If you accept them, people talk. And it's a small industry as well, the wedding industry. You've got to be really careful. So that was a real lesson that I learned. It was really clever of me in one way and entrepreneurial, but on the other hand, It wasn't, but it's like Boohoo or any of these big, that's what they've done. They've just gone and eaten up all the competition, but then they now rule the whole fashion world and nobody can get an an edge in anywhere. So. And that, that, that sort of loss that you had, did that have any impacts on, on your business that year? I mean, was there any, did that cause any problems? So I was quite good that I always had a really high cash flow and we had a lot of money in reserve. So no, it never dented, nothing changed, like nothing changed, but still, um, it's not a nice feeling to know I could have, I could have had that money or, you know, we could, you know, you could, that could have done anything, but you live and learn. Yeah. There's been other things I did. I did crazy amounts of advertising one year. I decided that do you remember when you used to get magazines back in the day where I love a magazine and you'd fold out the front of it and it was called a gatefold and the whole front cover like unfolded. Okay. It was all yep. glossy and lovely. I got into the head that I wanted to have a gatefold on all the bridal things. But again, that was just my ego. That was just me wanting to be the best. I think that was a similar decision of wanting to essentially dominate your local area by having lots of well, branches. Yeah. I think they're both ego driven totally. decisions. Totally. Yeah, like totally, you just, you want to be the best because if you seem to be the best in any industry, then people want to buy from you, don't they? But then also you can get too big and people then want to brag you down. And that was another lesson I learned. I realized it was better to just be a little bit under the radar. So be at the top, but like be number eight. 
you know, like you don't want to be number, uh, not number eight. So like, say it's one to 10, you want to be like number two or three. You never really want to win number one. Because when you get to number one, it's like when you win an award, everyone's really happy for you. But then they start slagging you off. Like you just kind of always want to be slightly the underdog. And it's a bit of a, sh- you know what? That's a real shame. But it's a, it's a bit of a British thing, I think. Whereas in America, it's the opposite. I like cheer you to, but Americans are a lot more good at like putting themselves forward, aren't yeah. they? I mean that sounds, you know, there's there's that sounds really kind of difficult, um, difficult moments in there, and I'm surprised it, it doesn't sound like it really affected you at all personally. It sounds you sound quite blasé about it in yeah, terms of long... like, oh, did this just happened and yeah, but it's a long... I mean, was that a reality at the time? It's a long time ago. I mean, like I've been out. Yeah, I can imagine what she was like at the time. I was, <laughs> I was very 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 flight like flighty is that the right word like very i can be very up and down but i was even more so then since i've got a lot better i imagine well i know it was not easy and my team used to say you are the best boss or the worst boss because one minute i'm like best person to be around and then the whole world would be but I'm a creative. That's all I ever said. I'm a creative, darling. <laughs> I'm a creative. I'm allowed to be like that. Um, but yeah, I imagine in the moment it was, it's hard. I think I was just saying always like just moving on to the next thing. Like, well, we'll do something else. And, you know, I rebranded and strengthened the brands that we had. So I scaled it back and then I, re- I, I, I rebranded everything and made it even stronger. And then we went international with it. And so we were making more money doing that. If you worry too much about all the things and you, you beat yourself up about it, you'll never go on to the next thing because you'll constantly be thinking you're a failure. And I don't see it as a failure. I just think it was just me being a little bit young and a bit naive, maybe. I don't know. I remember my grandpa saying to me, don't do those two collections. You've got <laughs> enough. You've got enough, Charlotte. Enough's enough. And he used to put his hand up and he was like, enough's enough. And I was like, yeah, yeah. I think that hurt me probably more than anything that he probably was like, what is she doing? <laughs> what is she doing now? And why didn't you listen to that? Why did you just think that, uh, you know, you wanted more? Because the more money you make, the more money you want. And now I don't try not to get into that mindset of wanting more and more and more because I've realized it doesn't make you any happier. It didn't solve all my problems. It didn't. It, it didn't. Ma- it, it made my life easier because you have more choice and more freedom, and you're not worrying about stuff. But it doesn't really change you, you know. So now it's more of like having, doing your passion and 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 appreciating what we've got, and empowering more people to have it for the right reasons rather than an ego-driven thing. I was young though. I was 23 when I started. I was really young. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, that is young to be making those level of decisions. Just just going back to what you just said about money and, and not, you know, essentially making you only happier. And, you know, there's that study which says like, you know, I think it's an old study now, but said something like you, there's no discernible change in happiness over $75,000 annual income or something. Yeah. Joe's talking about this all the time, really, don't you? Yeah. Cause... How, how does that then relate to what we were talking about at the beginning, which is around the the desire the of uh sort of entrepreneurs to make money and then what we're talking about around sort of females not always wanting to admit that yeah i think 
we talk about this a lot and I talk about that statistic quite a lot because what you've got to understand is make, there's no shame around desiring to make money, but you can't think that it will make your life change your life. It's mm, not, it's not going to take your yeah. problems away. It's not going to stop your kids being hard work or your husband annoying you or, 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 or not having money worries. We were talking about this morning. Everyone we know worries about money. Whether yep. they are turning over millions or billions, or they have the the hardly making enough to eat, everyone worries about money. When you're making millions, Charlotte was making, turning over millions in her last business of the year. She worry about paying staff. You worry about it all going and your whole lifestyle collapsing. And I think people think that money is the answer to their problems, but it's not. And I think once you can accept that, then. It's okay to kind of want to make money, make more money and understand that, yeah, it means you can buy a nicer car and maybe upgrade your house and go on a, a, a bougie holiday or whatever. However, it's not going to take away all your stresses. It's going to alleviate some of the pain if you're struggling, uh, but it's not going to stop you worrying about money as well. And well, I think that's the thing, isn't it? Well, there's that. I think it, I think it's um, Terry Robbins who said the phrase of like different level, different devil. And it's true, yeah. it doesn't matter what level you're at, it's just a different feeling. And I do think the more you earn, the more you worry about losing it because then you, you have this like fear of like, what if it all goes, what if that was my last million? What if that was my last good sale? What was that? I used to do my collections, go to the show, have a great collection and then cry on day three and everyone would be like, wow, God, was it a really bad show? And I was like, no, it was <laughs> amazing. We now I've got to do it all over again. Because it was like, you know, what if what if that was my only thing? And it's like, well, we sell a course and just really well. And then you're like, what if that's it? We'd never sell something again. That's not the truth. But in that moment, you kind of like fear it. And then you have to like go, well, that's not the truth. We have to. And even if we didn't sell another thing again, we'd find something else to sell. Yeah. So we might bring out an offer and nobody could buy. And I'd say, well, that's our indication to, to bring out this product that we always wanted to do, you know. Got to trust, and I think I think it's taken a while, and 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 we still fall back into it as everyone does, thinking that making more money is the answer to everything. But it isn't the answer to everything. It's important, and it's fun, and it's it in it in in enhances your life. But it's not going to make you bulletproof, and it's not going to stop you worrying about money. It's not the magic answer. It's not the magic it helps. Definitely helps. Absolutely, and that's why. And I also think that you can do so much good with it you know if you if you if you have it and then you can do good things with it that's really nice and even good like we're not even necessarily to like of course giving to charity and all that stuff is great even things like buying from local independents which are more expensive you know buying good quality food and buying organic so the animals aren't treated as badly like things that are like that a lot of people have stopped from doing just because they're priced out of the priced Mm. out of that you know, mm. buying clothes that aren't made by a child in in Asia somewhere. And, you know, nobody wants to do that, but it's kind of like a lot of times we're priced out of it. And I think, you know, money allows us to have a better world. You can make better informed choices. Yes, sure. Because you've got a yeah. choice. You know, when you, like, I'm actually wearing a local business. I, I We both love supporting local businesses. This is Two women that we know in the area. It's all organic. Literally, they know everything. Yeah. Aspects of it. And when I put it on, I wear it with. I feel good. Like it feels nice to to do that. And 
it's more expensive, but it's a lot more expensive than buying one off sheen. I'd never buy off sheen, like I can't buy anything like that. But I've got the choice, but a lot of people don't have that choice. Yeah, it's an enabler, isn't yeah. it? Yeah, so, you yeah. know. So just wrapping up then, um, sort of final kind of few questions. What advice would you both give to listeners who might have experienced a setback within their business? I'm going to say my favourite saying of all time. I have it on the wall next to us here in pink. And it is, I didn't come this far to only come this far. So whenever you feel like I've been a failure or I want to give up or it's not worth it, I'm, whatever you're feeling, think to yourself, I didn't come this far to only come this far. If I, if I stop now, you know, this isn't the end. It's just a little diversion in the road. So have that saying and love it you know if i was into tattoos i'd have that as a tattoo <laughs> i'm not but if i was that was what i would have and mine is just to take a moment and like what i always do is like when something hasn't gone right or i'm worried about something is i put my hand on my heart and take a deep breath and be like everything is working out in my favor and i trust that i always trust that so even when it feels like everything's gone to pot really trusting that it's all working out in the end, but little old me in my humanness can't see the bigger picture. And I think I've learned that because when I look back on times in my life, like I talked earlier about those miscarriages that felt massive to me, that's the catalyst I needed to leave social work. When something's not gone right, but then you've turned in another direction, in that moment, it feels like everything's falling apart, like relationships, you know, like a relationship ends, and you're like, oh my God, I'm not gonna, get through this I'll and never meet anyone yeah, ever again <laughs> yeah and then actually yeah. like it's a couple of months down the line or you know god <laughs> can I imagine i was still without egypt you know <laughs> and i think there's there's hindsight is such a great thing like we talked about charlotte creating these brands and now how now she's so blase about it and i'm sure in the moment she wasn't but coming back to it now actually it was the best thing that happened to her it was a lesson she learned and i think just stopping in that moment and taking that deep breath. And I put my hand on my heart because it ju it's just a bit of an anchor for me. Everything's working out in my favor. And it just calms me. And sometimes I'll do it, we'll do it, won't we? The slapping a little bit. We're like, everything's working out. We can't see it how, but we trust it is. And there's something about trust and hope that shifts your whole perspective. You always... Taking a step back, isn't it? Yeah, Josie always perspective. to me, like, it's not happening to us, it's happening for us. And I'm like, yeah. Yeah, we actually have like different bracelets that say, mine says trust, mine says believe. And it's just little anchors, just little yeah. reminders too. Nice. Oh no, clients have them as well. We have gift them to our gift clients. Them to our clients. And it's just a little reminder of like, it's all working out. You've just got to trust, trust the process. I saw a meme today on Instagram and it said, does the process know, is the process aware that we're all trusted in it? <laughs> 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 That's, That's a good one. one. <laughs> um, but it's like that kind of we can we can create so much angst and drama that is just unnecessary because we're future tripping or we're creating these big thing in our mind that hasn't even happened yet. And we're so good at that, aren't we? We're so good at it. Oh yeah. Like making catastrophizing things when actually 100%. when we just like you said, take a step back, take a deep breath, everything's usually all right in the moment. And all, all, all will pass, as you said earlier. All pass, yeah, exactly. Mm. exactly. So, kind of final question then. If you could go back in time, and obviously we've talked about various kind of setbacks and sort of failures today. If you could go back in time, would you erase those from happening? Oh, good question. 
I wouldn't. I wouldn't. Yeah. I wouldn't. No. I don't think there's anything because... like even looking back, you know, like, and it's funny now, like that. Talked about shame with that coach that we, we invested in and spent a lot of money. No, I wouldn't because I wouldn't have met Charlotte and there's so many things and I think everything's a lesson. Um, and where do you draw the line? If you say like you're going to change that, then you'll start changing all sorts of things and then you become a bit bland then, wouldn't you? Yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, and like, I'd rather be in, like have a, a, a crazy life than just be like a bit vanilla and a bit like... Uh, Make a very boring podcast host. Yeah, I was yeah. going to say, do you think it would be very boring? Yeah, so <laughs> now I think for both of us, yeah, no, we're just going to, and you know what? We're going to make more mistakes and more failures and whatever in the future, and that's okay too. It is. We're okay with that. Yeah. Amazing. Bring them on. So I have a quick fire round. Yeah. So what I suggest is each person takes one of the questions. Okay, you start. Okay. So failure is? Success. What is your life's mission? To be the best I can be and empower others to do the same. What's one piece of advice that you will want to give on your deathbed? Just do it. Name one habit that keeps you resilient. Um, trust. You get the tricky one, Charlotte. If you could be immortal, would you take it? No. <laughs> I would. <laughs> no. I want to live to 100 and she is not interested. I don't think this is it though. So um, I'm ready. Ready for the next thing. What's going on? Yeah. Okay. You want, to, you want to explore? Yeah. You can both answer it if you like. What's one surprising fact about you that not many people know? Oh, I'm American. People are always shocked by that. I'm not English. Yeah. I thought you were joking there because you, no. you you laugh so much, Jess. <laughs> no, she's American. American. People always go, oh, and they're like a bit like, oh. And I guess we go on holiday. It's really annoying because like it's a bit, they put her in a different queue with the American passport. So final question. What's one person or number of people that you can recommend that you think I should have a, on as a guest for this? Oh, good question. Well, there's lots of our clients that are amazing i think helen kirkham who we work with she's doing great things in the world so she is her business is completely sustainable she's all about saving the world but also is super cool and has got a really really amazing brand so and she's super interesting as well very like sneakers out of old sneakers yeah she's very she's oh, like, wow, like, okay. deals. like she works with nike adidas asic she's yeah. a bit of a big deal she is a bit of a big deal She'd be really cool to have on. So I always love talking about Helen. So where can people find you and connect with you? So we can go mostly on Instagram. That's our favorite play. The underscore money underscore maven. Uh, we also have an app that you can download. It's completely free. You can find it in the app store. You just put in the money mavens. And in there, there's absolutely loads of free resources and community and stuff like that. So there are two yeah. free things. And then we've got the website, which is themoneymavens.co.uk. So oh, and the podcast. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. And the podcast. Got a podcast <laughs> called the Money Mavens. So, yeah. Everything's a You've bit money mavens. But we actually got an event coming up in January. So if anyone's interested in that, then go check out our website and you can have see the details. But, yeah, please connect. We love connecting with new people. We love being on your podcast. Thank you for it's having us. It's been a really great conversation because it's really re helped me reflect. I know. And I think it's been really yeah, nice to do so. Thank you for your thank you. great questions.
Pleasure. So thanks so much for coming on. Um, it's been it's been great. I, I could definitely talk to you both for another few hours, but I know you've got a run. So um, yeah, thanks so much for being here and all of the insights and honesty that you've and and I suppose integrity that you've brought. You brought your full self. So I really appreciate that. Oh, so wow. thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Beyond the Fail. Really hope you enjoyed this episode and learned something new. Please do subscribe to the show and leave us a review. It really does help us to grow and to reach more people. Do follow us on social media too. We're at Jeswood on Instagram and at Beyond the Fail on YouTube and also on Linktree. Thanks again and see you soon.